right, City Church family, uh, my name is Paul. I will be, again, as we did the uh, past couple weeks, I will be hosting in this time as we're kind of doing some podcasting regarding our liturgical calendar. Uh, this is just a way for me to just, for the most part, I represent you guys, right? I want to be here as these kind of guys talk high-level stuff and kind of peek in and say, hey, what does that mean? Uh, help us understand that just as a, a regular member, right, who may not be in the back room uh, as they're kind of sorting through everything. So want to kind of peer in and help us all kind of figure out what's going on. So today, uh, one of our topics that we will be discussing for this liturgical calendar as we're following uh, will be Christmas Tide and Epiphany. So these things will be the seasons that we'll be going into as a church as we're trying to focus on our formation and uh, how it informs everything in our church life, right? We'll be kind of discussing that today. And uh, so as you all may know, the pastors that are in the room, let me go ahead and introduce everybody. Big J Dog. Howdy, howdy. It's Jason, y'all. Then Big Joel. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah. And then the doctor, reverend, pastor, bishop, Pastor Corey. Greetings. Most high Greetings. reverend. <laughs> Most high. The very, 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 very reverend. So, yeah, so. Y'all, let's just hop right into it, right? So these are the new; these are the two seasons that we'll kind of be stepping into as a church: Christmas, uh, Christmas tide, Christmas, and also Epiphany. So let's let's work from some definitions first, guys. So just in this time of Christmas, what right. is this time really about? The time of Christmas first. Yeah, I think that maybe when we talk about Christmas, of all the things the liturgical calendar helps with, this is one of the most helpful things. Is actually like separating. Advent and a season of Christmas, mm -hmm. which again is new for, for for me is a recent thing in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, you grew up singing the twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> I never knew why. Why are we singing twelve days? Why are they twelve? <laughs> why are they twelve? I got you know. Why are we singing this song? Why uh, are there twelve? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> because there are twelve days in the liturgical calendar that mark the season of Christmas tide. So after once Christmas Day comes, that's the first day. There are 12 days, and then we're into the next season. Right there. So Joe yeah. has an explanation for mm. us. Um, but it's helpful to where I think a lot of people, you grow up, and it's like all of December is Christmas. Yes. It's like, oh, we're doing Christmas, celebrating Christmas. But like technically, officially, one of the things that the, this the, the liturgical calendar helps us with is like Christmas actually is not until the 25th, uh, and that there's a waiting period, and then yes. you have these 12 days of actually celebrating, which is a really, um, I've it's been helpful for me in in in, in my own life uh, of trying to be more intentional about this and really kind of uh, deconstructing is a big word these days. Deconstructing some <laughs> ways I I understood Christmas uh, growing up uh, and things. So the, the first part, the first season is just is Christmas or Christmas tide of just really celebrating. Uh, the fact that Jesus is born. Advent, mm -hmm. we're waiting for him to come, and then Christmas we are celebrating that he has come. Uh, yes. And then Epiphany, which which uh, begins on January the 6th, uh, is really celebrating the manifestation of Jesus. Like Epiphany comes from the Greek, which means manifestation. Uh, it's often associated with uh, the Magi, uh, Jesus kind of making himself known to the Gentiles mm. uh, with with the Magi and uh, the wise men in uh, Matthew chapter two. It's also associated with his baptism, uh, but again, it's it just at the heart. It means Jesus making himself known, mm. uh, particularly to the nations, to Gentiles, uh, and so that that time is 
looking at um, yeah how Jesus has made himself. He he he. We waited for him to come. He's now come at Christmas, and now Epiphany. Uh, we are seeing how he's making himself known. So again, you you go back to the last podcast we did of like how is this. Uh, repeating of a story, the story of the life of, of Jesus with yeah. the liturgical calendar. So, mm-hmm. and already you can see how this is helping us rehearse the story of Jesus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You have this this hope, this anticipation, this building, the kind of foundation and the the backdrop to why is it so important that Jesus would come. So we have this hope, this anticipation, this longing for something, someone to come and save us, and then. Boom, here it comes. Jesus is born. We celebrate mm. that. And then there's the manifestation. We start to see, okay, now God is with us. Now what does the God-man do? We're starting mm. to see who Christ is as he walks the earth among us, among his creation. And the story's just you know in full gear in these seasons here. Yeah, something that you may have heard over the last 10 years of ministry at City Church is this the, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, mm. right? Like that's something that we hit on all the time, almost every sermon, right? We might maybe even explicitly say that, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Um, that is epiphany, Lent, and Easter. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we're rehearsing in this story, the story about Jesus, the redemptive story that's uh, centered on Christ. So that life, death, and resurrection, we're in the life part when we're in the season of Epiphany. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's kind of, even if we think through people who aren't necessarily even Christians, right, there's still the space of that anticipation. They may not be too uh, may not be too well versed in it, right? But still, Epiphany coming, he's still revealing himself. Mm-hmm. I Meaning, there's still even space for people who may not even understand the anticipation to still say, "This is what this is about. This is who he is." I guess even in that kind of shaping of it seems pretty helpful, right? Mm-hmm. For us to see this is the anticipation of who he is, and if you don't know who he is, he shows you and he reveals mm-hmm. it to reveals it to you. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. And even like thinking about how that specific thing that you just said is informing our sermon series mm-hmm. coming up for, for not only um, uh, Christmas time, but also for, for Epiphany. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark uh, from mm-hmm. now up until, up until Easter. And the way that it's being framed, like the, the first two, the next two Sundays, which will, uh, will be in Christmastide, uh, we'll be in chapter 1, uh, looking at basically kind of the birth of the kingdom, uh, in verses 14 and 15, where Jesus talks about at his coming, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then right after that, he calls uh, some of the disciples, and they immediately follow him. So really thinking about what are the implications. Okay, now we've Jesus has come. He's here. Mm-hmm. Now what does that mean? Now what's interesting is like Mark doesn't include the birth account. Hmm. So in Epiphany, like what, what we're going to be doing in those eight weeks of, uh, of, of Epiphany is looking at conversations that Jesus has with various people or spirits. Uh, the first one's actually conversations with with uh, demons, hmm. Uh, hmm. Uh, but just this idea. Who really like the 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 because Mark doesn't include the birth account, so it really isn't like a, even in the Gospel of Mark mm-hmm. information about mm-hmm. the birth account and Jesus being born, but it is information about okay, this is who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So even if you weren't part of that. Advent waiting, like you're, you're saying, it's like, okay, Jesus' ministry, you know, he begins his ministry after his baptism, and it's mm. like, okay, full throttle ahead, like, this is who Jesus is. Mm. And anyway, so I'm excited in the, I'm excited for both mm-hmm. series, especially for the Epiphany series, because in the opening three chapters of Mark, looking at these eight different conversations that Jesus has with people, 
they really do show a lot about like like who he is and, and who is Jesus. Like mm-hmm. like how is he making himself known? How are we supposed to understand him? And the questions people are asking him and the answers he's giving is is very insightful. Because again, most of these people and conversations he's having, they don't know anything about his birth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they do, they don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are, in many cases, this is their first encounter with Jesus: is this conversation or these things that they've heard? And so they had these questions for him. Anyway, and what a great so, opportunity! Because back to what you were asking, Paul, about what about people that don't know? This allows Jesus to actually speak for himself. Our mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. people all around our city. Um, have an idea of who Jesus is and who knows where it comes from, um, right? And so this is an opportunity for the scriptures, Jesus, him for Him to speak for Himself, speak for himself and yeah. answer the questions that a lot of people might be asking. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what a beautiful opportunity that is! Yep, it's so good. So as we're in, as we're still in this process, right, and we're thinking through kind of the purpose of us as a church for the liturgical calendar is just this idea of formation, right? We wanted to. Mm-hmm involved practices. We wanted to kind of help us all observe this as a church together, uh, kind of as a as a collective, as we're working through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Christmas Tide and for Epiphany, or you know, both together, what are kind of some of the the practices that we're that we're that we're doing as a church? Mm-hmm. Well just as a reminder, like in, in Advent we started this we were calling them communal practices and personal disciplines. Uh, we saw a lot of people involved in, in uh, practicing those things throughout Advent, which is really cool. Um, and so moving into each season, like we said in the previous podcast, uh, there's going to be a different communal practice and a different uh, personal discipline with each season change. So yeah, we can start with Christmas Tide. Uh, we've been Jason and I have been talking about this a lot. So Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna just kick it to you. What what are the one What are the two for uh, for Christmas Tide? Yeah. So for uh, the communal practice for Christmas Tide, um, we chose feasting, which uh, that might be a new one to a lot of us. Amen. But uh, Amen. I don't think we'll have to sell a lot of people on doing this. So when you're thinking about celebrating, um, when you're thinking about um, remembering and recognizing and celebrating what God has done, um, feasting is actually something you see in the scriptures often. Um, as we are often prone to forget the things that God has done. Um, God had a way of instituting lots of things that helped us. He, in the Old Testament, you see lots of festivals mm. and feasts that were set up to help people remember certain things that God had done on their behalf and for them. Um, and even in the New Testament, we see even baptism, I think, is a way for us to remember. It's a public thing. When people are being baptized, it's a chance for us to remember our baptism. Communion, we're supposed to do that mm. in remembrance of Jesus. And so this is a... Um, just another way um, to to gather as God's people, and we can talk a little bit more about what that'll look like, but gather together and to celebrate and to feast, to enjoy God's good gifts, um, mm-hmm. celebrating His ultimate gift. Uh, I, just want, I, want, I want to jump in, Jason, because this this that word feasting, too, I think if... if um, you're paying attention some last year. You during, when we went through the liturgical year, you may have heard this the language of like feasting and fasting, mm-hmm. and that kind of being like a paradigm that the liturgical year kind of dances between is the the two extremes of like fasting, where we are like depriving ourselves, and we're in a season not of plenty but of little, or we're in this season of celebration, of feasting, of of embracing, and and Christmas tide is celebration you know also mm-hmm. so is easter you know that's kind of the other big celebration mm-hmm. of, the, of the liturgical year but christmas tide should feel like 
it is a, just a, a beautiful release out of Advent, mm. out of the tension, out of the longing. Christ has come. We're no longer waiting for him to come into our world. He has come, and he is alive within our world. Mm. That's a celebratory thing, so feasting. Uh, and, and it's not just you know, the, the communal practice that we're doing, but feasting also is kind of just, it, I think it, it helps us conceptualize the story even more where, you know, you have these tensions and release and any good story, right? Uh, this is a season of feasting for us. So. Mm, that's yeah. great, Joel. Yeah. You know, Joel, as you are saying that, like, just again, thinking about how helpful, like, this is for us because, like, outside of this season, like, there's not a lot to feast about. Mm. You know, I mean, just like the last week mm. of, like, COVID <laughs> going out the roof and um, you know, we have a lot of medical professionals that are part of our church that were, that were good friends and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that are really taking it on the chin here. And, and mm. I, I feel like people in our church have heard of more people getting sick in the last week yeah. Uh, yeah. than previously before. And yeah. um, it just, you know, it, it complicates everything with work and uh, travel and what you're trying to do in school, all these kind of things. It just complicates it and and i don't feel like celebrating right yes. now <laughs> yes. uh but uh christmas coming like honestly is good for my soul and, and mm. i think maybe for a lot of us of saying that in spite of all this that just is like oh is this like please stop mm. uh like it's like a reminder like jesus is here as you said like jesus yes. is here like he's present like he has broken mm. into the world uh, and COVID doesn't change that, yeah, and right. uh, it's such yeah. a um, a needed reminder for the heart and the soul um, to feast in the in the midst of much difficulty. Um, yes, because it doesn't change the fact that yes. Jesus uh, Jesus has come and His kingdom is at hand That's with His right. coming. It so. reminds me of a, I, I, gosh, I think it's Psalm seventy six. I might be wrong, but this beautifully provocative question that the psalmist asks, can the Lord spread a table in the wilderness? Mm. You know, like, yes. Yes, mm. he can. And actually, and I think, I think you're making a, a beautiful argument for why we should rehearse this story. Oh and yeah. That, I, well, I didn't say it directly, but I was thinking yeah. like, Oh, this it's is like, so what a great way. Well, yeah. Cause it's, and, and not that there aren't other ways to rehearse the story of God. Of course, of course there are, but this is a historic practice. Like what a beautiful lens to, to think about, you know, hundreds of years of history and all of the difficulty uh, and calamities that the world has seen, there have been Christians that have been doing these practices, mm. that have been mm. like living within the contours of this story. Like COVID, like in, in our time, this is the thing. This is the thing that's going to be written in the history book. It's the thing that, <laughs> that we're living through. But there's a lot of other history that's been written, and Christians have been living faithfully out this story of God's. Like, yeah, man, I think you're making a beautiful argument for why we do this at all. Yeah, absolutely. And so back to the practice, um, we will provide some direction for you um, very soon on literally getting together, friends, family, mm -hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ, mm -hmm. and having this kind of God word, like celebration, feasting, good mm -hmm. food, good mm -hmm. drink, um, brothers and sisters enjoying each other's presence, yes. the presence of God, celebrating that Christ has come, and that's it. So. Mm -hmm. That should be a pretty easy one, I think, for most of us to pull off, <laughs> even in, yeah. So, um, so yeah, and so on to the, um, the personal discipline. 
Um, for this one, we chose journaling, and it kind of goes um, with what we were just talking about. That yeah. um, there's a lot can be said about journaling as a practice. There's a million different uses um, that we could find, but really, where we're going to zero in is using journaling as a means um, to remember what God has done and to to thank yeah. Him. Um, journaling is almost like as a means of joy and celebration for what God has done. So during the twelve days of Christmas, we're going to encourage you to build a habit to just you know once a day reflect, um, consider what the Lord has done. It could be one thing, something Mm. that happened a long time ago, something that's happened that day, but to just reflect on something that God has done, write it down in a journal, thank Him for it, use that as a means to to just worship and praise Him, and hopefully that builds in nicely. Even when you gather with other people to feast and to celebrate, maybe you will have some fresh thoughts and reflections to share together Mm. as you do that. So uh, very excited to have us journey through that. So um, journaling, uh, I think it's worth even stating what, what totally. the different, like going into that a little more deeply because we want, we want, it's a big topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're honing in on a very, very small specific part. We want to just kind of touch on that habit um, to dip our toes into it, so to speak. But um, Joel, I know you've talked about journaling being a key part of uh, yeah. some of your, your kind of walk with Jesus. Do you want to share yeah, some of that? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, so when I, when I first met Jesus when I was 18, um, I think it was Allison. I don't. I honestly don't remember. But I think journaling was presented to me at that time. And Allison is your wife. Allison for those is my that wife. Don't know. Totally. Yeah, no she's God. awesome. You okay. should know her. Um, I think journaling was presented to me at the time as just like something that Christians do. You know what I mean? So like, I don't remember like thinking, oh, I'm doing something that's kind of like novel or something. Uh, I I thought that I was kind of just like doing something that was very normal uh, in in the Christian life. Um, and so for, for me, like I, I have like journals and journals and journals, especially from like the first five years of my walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. I still journal regularly. I still at, at least a few times a week, uh, currently, but, um, especially from those first five years, it is immensely helpful to see the faithfulness of the Lord as I open those pages back up and yeah. see what he was doing in my heart. It was yeah. wild. Cause you know, I, I try, like, I don't, you know, it is like a journal in the, you know, kind of like junior high girl sort of vibe. Where I'm <laughs> like, I'm definitely bearing my heart out yeah. to nobody else except for the Lord. And nobody else reads them. I think yeah. uh, maybe my kids do now because they're like on a bookshelf somewhere. But um, it, yeah, this is, th- these are like my honest reflections upon my life and God's word. And, um, to be able to go back and see that written in ink and uh, like re, re, re-experience what I experienced then, you know, it's, it's a lot different than me trying to just like remember what happened mm. 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a completely, it's a, lo- a lot more of a visceral experience yeah. to be able to read it. Man, that's so cool. And that's, that's exactly the hope, right? That um, this becomes a way of like, not, e- not only in the moment of, you know, slowing things down, um, reflecting because life comes at us fast, but the Lord is always at work, always, always, mm. always. But we are usually so busy, and that's why kind of mm. building these um, disciplines on top of each other. We talked about solitude and silence, slowing down, getting quiet, getting still before the Lord. Now we have this opportunity to journal, to reflect on some of the things that He's done for us. Mm. Um, but that that becomes like not only in that moment, but a catalog of things that you can look mm. back on. And if, when you practice this regularly and faithfully, mm. that's exactly what it becomes. And really, when you think about even the Psalms, they almost seem like divinely inspired journal <laughs> entries sometimes, right? They're like totally. these 
yeah, these ways that the Lord was working in those, but it was people pouring out their heart to the Lord. Mm. Um, and then most of the time kind of quickly turning to hope and just, yeah, as we slow down, take the time to write things out. Mm. Um, again, this is not, there's no thou shalt journal um, mm. scriptures in the Bible. This isn't something you have to do. Mm. But it's, again, it's another discipline, another way to kind of put yourself in the stream of that transforming grace um, that, the, that the Lord offers us. Yeah. If we only take him up on let, it, so. let me ask you guys: with yeah. the two feasting and journaling, right? Can you speak to how feasting can help encourage our journaling, and journaling can help us encourage us when mm. we're when we're feasting together? Like how the two between the communal and kind of the personal kind of help intersect? Totally. How are they connected? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's a that's a good question. I think, um, I think with one of them, I think Jason kind of hinted at it before, just like if we're showing up to these like feasts mm-hmm. with uh, some pages written down and about Chick-fil-A. God's faithfulness. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I think we, we forgot Sunday, to mention well. that, that that's what we mean. Like, yes, yes. that is, is the feast. We use kingdom-minded food, okay? And that is Christian chicken. Chick-fil-A. Uh, I forget I'll, I'm I'll in the fall of world. I'll take Popeye's chicken sandwich. You'll take Popeye's? Yeah, every you speak, day. You're speaking to me. You're speaking to every me day. Where, where the Lord placed me. Don't bring that week Chick-fil-A stuff in the house. I feel you, man. We're talking chicken sandwich, okay? That is, that's true. Uh, but you can you can show up to these to these gatherings, uh, sharing food and having already thought instead of having to figure it out in the moment, like, oh, what's something that I can celebrate that God has done in my life? You can be like open up a journal and look at it. Um, but then also I think um I think when you can listen to other people mm. praise God mm-hmm. and celebrate what what God has done in their life. It helps you to think about wh- how how you can praise God, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the beauty of the church is that, you know, we we're all wired in particular ways. We all have particular bents, and oftentimes, uh, if you know, m- the only way that all Christians engaged with the Lord was the way that I engaged with the Lord, that would not be a beautiful church. That would be a very ugly, boring mm-hmm. church, right? That's just, classical that's just music the, yeah, and right, uh, right. seventeen hundred instruments. <laughs> that's beautiful. Cheap shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like, <laughs> but like, but yeah, like when, when you when you get to g- genuinely experience the faith of another brother or sister, it should encourage your own faith, and it should give you, um, you know, ideas and, and and a lens to be able to look at your own faith and say, man, God has been faithful in this way. I don't think I would have seen that if it wasn't for them saying that mm. about their lives. Amen. 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 Yeah, I think even as like just a regular like regular member that would show up to one of these events and to think like let's just say if I've been lagging behind or not feeling like I've been wanting to celebrate, right? But to gather with another brother or sister who can say the Lord has been doing this in my life and to be genuinely happy, right? And to say, Oh, this is great, mm-hmm. right? Would fuel me to go back and say, Yes, let me let me journal through what I think the Lord has been doing with me, even if I mm-hmm. can't see it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh just that beauty of those, you know how we are called to have our, our own relationship with Christ, right? But it's not private, you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's still public, and we are not just individuals, but we are a collective, and we encourage each other. Mm-hmm. I just see the two of just feasting and journaling kind of feeding off of each other yeah. in that same yes. way. Yeah. I, I think, uh, shout out to the Larchmere community group from a long time ago, because I remember them, like, they, they made this a big part of what they did when they got together. They, they would share testimonies with each other. And, you know, we were joking before of just, like, you know, no, no one should have any trouble feasting. But there, there is actually a, a difficult part of this. I think for a lot of us, it's hard to. I, what did you? What did you call it, uh, Jason? Like a God word? Yeah. What, what was it? Would you say a God word? Uh, 
Man, don't make me quote myself. I can't <laughs> to Godward intent, or yeah. like to, to have a meal, but like with God in mind. Like sometimes it can be really awkward to like, hey, we're eating food. Like that part's normal because we have to eat. But to like bring the Lord into conversations when we're sitting around a table eating food, yeah. sometimes it just doesn't yeah. feel very natural, and it can be mm. weird. Yeah. You know? So like, don't immediately think, oh yeah, feasting. This will be easy. It's like yeah. it, it takes some in- intention sure. to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. It's good. Yeah. And do. You know, Paul, one more thing about what you just said about the, the sharing and stuff. It's like you you think about a couple of our values, one unity and diversity and growth and community. Mm-hmm. Though both of those things are impossible without us knowing things about each other. Mm. Like you cannot fulfill the biblical exhortation to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice unless we have spaces where we, we know what our brothers are weeping about and our sisters yes. are weeping about, and we know what our brothers and sisters are rejoicing about. Um, because, it, you know, it, those assume that you're, 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 engage, you're, you know, with, you're, you're being brought into life experiences that are not your own, mm-hmm. and therefore you're weeping on behalf of someone else or you're rejoicing on behalf of um, someone yes. else. So it requires a... A sharing of, of life to some degree, mm-hmm. maybe to a lot of the degree, more than That's more right. than we are usually comfortable with, for sure. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Right. What about Epiphany? Yeah. So for Epiphany, um, we took the simple approach, and it's going to be prayer and prayer. Hey, prayer across the board. But <laughs> um, when you really kind of sit back and think about it, um, there are almost kind of two types of prayer that we see, and I think you know, as Christians, we're called to do both. Um, and so one is the, the kind of personal prayer life. And so the, the personal discipline is going to be just that prayer. I know that can be very broad, but we're going to actually provide a model for you. It's going to be kind of a riff on the Lord's Prayer, um, where a lot of us have the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. memorized, and using that as kind of a tool. Because, you know, prayer is something we know typically as Christians is important. Um, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that it's referred to again and again as the way that we are formed and grow, and, you know, Jesus took time to pray um, as a God, man, how much more do we need to be praying? So we won't spend a lot of time talking about necessarily the why and defining it, but we typically know those things, but it's like, how do we practically do it? And so this Mm -hmm. is encouragement to build a habit and to provide a bit of a model for you. And then the communal side, um, it's this this idea of corporate prayer, mm-hmm. that we also see that in scriptures. Yes. And that's something we, we talk about often. We want to grow in that as a church. Um, it's something that we do every Sunday. It's part of our five-fold liturgy to pray the Word. Um, but we want to grow as elders and staff and, and encouraging our congregation mm-hmm. to pray together. We want to do it more do it better. And so this is an attempt to help us um, kind of learn how to do that as the people of God gather. And it doesn't have to be in some formal gathering. It doesn't have to be on Sundays or whatever, but when the people of God gather, um, whatever we're, we're doing, that we would be people of prayer, that we would go to the Lord and seek Him to intercede on behalf of our church and our city and our world, um, to share um, and to celebrate. That's a prayer as a way of worshiping as well. And so, yeah, just helping mm. us build those habits into our lives when we gather together. Amen. So good. Uh, one, just connecting a few dots here for, for listeners at home. Um, the resources that uh, recommend resources for Epiphany. Um, one of the, uh, and, and my, I don't have it in front of me, so, but one of the recommended things is, uh, is praying, uh, specifically praying for the nations, because it's mm. connecting with, 
like Jesus making himself self known yeah. to the nations and mm. the Gentiles. And one of the recommendations is to actually go through the cultural gardens um, on MLK Drive and uh, take. There's a link there to Operation World where it has like specific information about how to pray. Mm. Uh, for the different nations there, mm. and again, so just again trying to connect these things together for for people um, to again to, to help equip uh, equip us all, you know, as we seek to be formed into the image of Christ. Mm. So, so just connecting a couple couple yeah, things there. So, uh, let, me, let me ask you guys, like, just kind of to peer out, kind of culturally as as a as a Christian in America in particular, why do why does it seem like prayer is probably one of the harder things <laughs> to do? <laughs> like just as a Christian, like. yeah. How long we got left of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Sorry, I think there, there's such a focus, um, and this is why we even I think chose to start with silence and solitude. There's such a focus on the outward life, on what is seen. Yeah. You know, you take social media, you take who is kind of idolized and um, loved and upheld in our culture, and it's all about the things that they're doing outwardly. And man, it's just the when you read the scriptures, um, the assumption is so much more. Even like when you read Paul, it's on the the inner life. That's mm-hmm. that's what's really yeah. important yeah. to the Lord. It's what's important um, when when people of the Bible are are held up um, as as examples. Um, and I just you know I think our culture just wars against that. Yes. Um, there was uh, there was actually a, a great quote that I came across. Um, John Owen has a way with words, but he had this Mm. quote about prayer, specifically for pastors, but I think it fits for all of us. He said this, A minister may fill his pews, his communion role, the mouths of the public, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. And it's just, that would just hit me like a a ton of bricks, like all the outward things of even what we, we, uh, you know, um, encourage and celebrate in pastors of like, they're a great speaker, this great leader, they're an influencer, they have all these followers, or their sermons are downloaded this many times, and it's like, what God sees is, man, what is that guy when he's on his knees praying? Yes. That's that's mm-hmm. who we are as believers. That's the true to me test of a believer, and I think that's why it's so hard. It's it's not celebrated right. or noticed in our culture. Hundred percent. And I mean, we could <laughs> talk so much about prayer, but it, it's a. I think just human. Na- it goes against human nature and particularly American culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's d- distinctly American problem, but but obviously I think American DNA doesn't help because at the one of the things at the root of prayer is a poor needy posture. I yes. mean, you're you're mm-hmm. coming out of a position of dependence. Like you're starting with, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I need the Lord to intervene. Mm-hmm. And that does not come natural for me uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that is a constant battle and struggle for me personally. Uh, and so ner- prayer doesn't come naturally because I naturally, my, my disposition is I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and prayer is saying, no, actually, you can't figure it out. So, yes. Uh, so I'm thinking, speaking very personally here, mm-hmm. why it's hard for <sighs> me. And I think that that plays out true um, overall. And, and again, I think a lot of our American church doesn't encourage a posture of neediness and mm. dependence because, no. you know, we what, what do we value as Americans? We value independence, we mm-hmm. va- value self. Um, sustainability, you, know, you pull up your bootstraps, do it yourself. 
Uh, I used to have, you know, uh, a Sunday school teacher would tell me, you know, you know what the last four letters of American is. I can. I can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's, just, it's just kind of built into our DNA. It's like it doesn't foster a dependence upon the Lord. So yeah. we, I, we, Ameri- we're Americans. We can solve the problem. Hmm. So I was thinking that um, prayer is so not about results. Mm-hmm. It's about communion with mm-hmm. the Lord, like the, mm-hmm. the Lord's Prayer, our Father. That's, mm-hmm. that's how it starts. That's what it is. It is mm-hmm. communion with the Lord. And I think there's a lot of people even turn prayer into like, a, yeah, a mechanism of results. Like, oh, look, like if you pray, this will happen. And it's like, yeah, that's, we, we see that. And that's, that's okay. That's not like, that's like a bad thing. But I think we're so bent out of shape about results. Like what, how can, how can we just do the Christian life in, instead of uh, being and abiding in, in Christ, communing with the Lord? That's why, why that's why it's hard. It's because it's it's hard to it's hard to commune with the Lord. Like, how do you have this this intimate and personal relationship uh, with with God? That's that's it's hard to define. He probably doesn't answer all the questions about prayer, but <laughs> no, I, I'm still thinking about that uh, quote Jason read about how I, I need yeah, to. Yeah, me too, dude. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's that a hurts. Yeah. Well, I will say to to rope it even back to Epiphany, like as as you guys are talking, I'm thinking through. Why, like, if we're thinking through prayer as uh, is is us sharing our heart with God, right, and communing with Him, but like also through Epiphany, Him revealing who He is to yes, us, right. Yes, so like yes. the connection of Him re- Him revealing Himself to us and us communing with that revelation through prayer, mm. yes, right, yeah. during that time, just yeah. seems like such a the two connecting points seem so. Uh, just just yeah, it's well something to mention. Something to yeah, mention. Yeah, absolutely. We can cut this part out, right? <laughs> But would you uh, would you guys like to share how I mentioned that part of the personal discipline is we're going to riff on the Lord's Prayer. There's certain aspects of the Lord's Prayer that encourage you to pray in ways that you might mm. miss or otherwise not be strong in. Um, I think for me, uh, Joel hmm. just mentioned this earlier, that idea of our Father. It's such an invitation to just pause and to be with God the Father and what that means to ponder, what it means to be a child of God and... Um, I think so often I've been tempted to rush into prayer and just start laying out, God, I need this, I need you to fix this, I need you to fix that person, I need you to do this thing, I need you to put money in my bank account here because I got these bills coming up, I need this, this, and this. And I I started thinking about when I used to um, come home as a dad back when my kids were younger and actually really liked me still. Um, (laughs) But there's that, there's something so glorious, and I think most of you guys, the, the guys in this room can probably relate, but you come home and your kids run up and they're like, Dad, they just want to like grab you and hug you. And it's it's still some of the, the greatest joys of my life to like remember back on that. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to start making myself cry here in a minute thinking about it. But um, just to think about that that approach to prayer, that like our Father, that's the invitation of like, we don't run up and just start asking for stuff. We run up and we just want to be with our Father and spend that mm-hmm. time in communion. But are there other things for you guys that mm-hmm. where the Lord's prayer kind of pushes you to... Yeah, when you're asking that question, what came to mind, there's a uh, theologian named um, Nicholas Wolterstorff. Uh, in one of his books, I can't remember which one, um, he, was, he was doing some teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and I, I remember what he said stuck with me, that um, the phrase, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. If we're thinking of the Lord's Prayer as a, like a, a template to prayer, it is so multifaceted, and there's so much that can be said mm. uh, just from the Lord's Prayer. But I think that one thing that we can draw out is that all prayer is kingdom prayer. Mm. Like it's all, whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're asking the Lord for something, we're blessing God, uh, we're asking the Lord to, to come and to, to do something, uh, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're asking the Lord to do, it's, they're all kingdom prayers because we're all, at, at, at one, of the, one of the cores of, of our prayers is that we are desiring for heaven to come to earth. Mm-hmm. So the way that we're communing with the Lord is the way that we will commune with the Lord when we're with him in heaven and when Christ comes back and restores the world and that's that's ultimately what we're asking we want god's kingdom here on earth that's what prayer should be Mm, that's great love it yeah uh well i'll just keep going down to the rest of the prayer then since you guys have uh, (laughs) took all the good stuff yeah took all the good stuff uh no i i think one of the things that for me personally is the most one I most quickly just kind of go through and don't consider is uh, give us this day our daily bread, mm. and I think and I think about my time in West Africa, uh, so many things that learned, and one of the things that I learned was how easily accessible we have access to food mm. uh, in America compared to really the history of the world and a large portion of the rest of the world. Mm. So this idea of just having refrigeration and freezers and the ability to store food and stock food. And I just like, I remember like the time, like where I I lived, like every day, like not half the day, but a significant portion of the day was spent just preparing food and getting access to food and water. Uh, If you wanted water, you had to go to the well and get it. Uh, If you want something to eat, you got to cook it. And then you got to go to the market and get the rice and or get the millet. And, uh, you know, only three months out of the year you had onions and so stuff like that. It's like, you, you know, you just didn't have this, oh, I think I want strawberries today. I'll go get strawberries. Um, so it really did just, you know, uh, again, there's – I'm very thankful to live in America, and I'm, I'm grateful for, for the tremendous ways the Lord has provided. But also there are some things that – um, living in America, um, you know, makes it hard to really be mindful of, of that yeah. every day uh, it is the Lord's provision that gives us food. Yeah. Uh, because you just get in the habit, you turn the water faucet on, and you have water there, and um, you have a pantry full of food. And um, yeah, so this prayer of like, give us this day our daily bread, like yeah. really. Yeah. Um, I, I'm always, I rush to it through it too quickly, mm, yeah. um, too quickly. Yeah. Straight up. So. Straight up. To me, that's even a call to like perseverance in prayer, right? Because it's like, give us this day our daily bread. Like yeah. that's, we return yeah. to it again. It's acknowledging that apart from God, we have nothing. Yeah. Even if we trick ourselves into thinking that's not true yeah. because we live in America right. um, and are so privileged, but... Which is such also, a beautiful... Well, yeah. sorry, Jason. Yeah, no, yeah. no. And I was just going to say, but yeah, that... Daily, daily, we were yeah. invited to come and ask the Lord yeah. to provide for us. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, I guess I'll go too since I'm in the room. Yes, sir. Come on, and I'll take the next, the next. No, <laughs> seriously, yeah. I really. No, it's funny. I was having uh, this past weekend when I was doing a catechism. 
with Nehemiah and we did the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things that struck me about the Lord's Prayer and is Nehemiah how, is your son. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You all know that. Sorry. The hero I know that. Know. But I my son Nehemiah, my oldest. And how old is Nehemiah? Uh, six years old. And he is your oldest. Correct? He is my oldest son. Okay. Yes. Oldest of three children. Oldest of three children. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, yes. Boy. Just helping people learn. <laughs> no, that learn makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Just blast my whole family, <laughs> just to the world like yeah, this. Thanks. I didn't give your address. Appreciate that. No, but but like one of the things that I was struck by as I'm reading it, I'm telling Nehemiah, like I'm explaining it to him. And I'm like, man, Jesus, like Jesus is the answer to this entire prayer, right? Like every mm -hmm. part of it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like this kingdom dynamic, like every connecting piece, it's like Jesus is the answer to this prayer. Mm -hmm. He's telling us, I am the answer to this prayer, right? Mm -hmm. But one of the things is I was processing that it I got I get to again the very next the very next part of it is forgive 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 us forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mm -hmm. And thinking through how me as a Christian, if I truly believe that Jesus is the answer to this, right? If I can trust him with my daily portion, right? What more? I can trust him with anything, right? If if I believe that when kingdom comes to earth, right, he is the one that actually unlocks that and brings king, brings the, God's kingdom and his will to earth, right? But then saying, if that is true, I should be able to forgive those who trespass Ooh. against me, right? Oh, I should be well, able yeah. to. And I think that is such a struggle, for me, right, if I believe everything before that, to get to those two verses there to say, uh, to, to and, and the beauty of it in the prayer is that Jesus mm -hmm. is saying, pray that, right? Because it means that in and of myself, I can't do it, right? But also thinking if I'm truly convinced of him, right, that I should be able to say, Lord, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. Because only through me understanding my debts have been truly forgiven can I forgive those who have trespassed against me as well. Of course, I'm mixing translation. Sorry, us King yeah. James, ESV, all in there. Speaking right? in tongues. Yeah. Right, speaking yeah. in tongues. Right, right. <laughs> the message, you know, it was, yeah. I got it all in there. But but that but that but that's just one of those pieces so that I've really been, you know, I, I'd really been struggling through in particular. It's just like, I, you know, if, if, if this is true of me, right, if I believe everything prior to and I believe this is who Jesus is, right, I have to go to him regularly and say, in and of myself, I can't forgive those who trespass against me. But I have to be remembered that I was forgiven for my trespasses. Therefore, I can forgive those. And just to see the beauty baked in that in that prayer. Amen, dude. I don't like Amen. that part of it. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty, Pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just skip it, huh? Just yeah. go right. <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's not in my translation. <laughs> oh, it wasn't well. in the original That was you heard it here first, guys. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, applying the basic truths of the gospel can be so hard. Uh, yes. man, yeah. man, yes. isn't it? Isn't it? Even just the way I I told my uh, jazz and my wife. Uh, today something had happened, and and I told I didn't use the exact words, but basically I I said I know how the gospel pushes me to respond in this situation, and I'll I'm just being very honest with you, I have zero desire to mm, do it, mm, you know, mm, um, yep. and so yeah, it's hard, isn't you know, mm. uh, faithfulness to uh, the kingdom is hard. And I like how you connected that with, like, mm -hmm. if we really want the kingdom to come, which is easy to say, we want Jesus, all mm -hmm. things new. Yeah, mm -hmm. all things new. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, mm -hmm. you need to pray for forgiveness for that person that's hurt you. Exactly. Uh, Formation yeah. is yeah. a process yeah. and a painful one many times. <laughs> all things new yeah. and other people. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. 
Because that, that, that hits, right? Everything mm-hmm. before that is like us to God, right? Yeah. And then we get to that space. He says, his kingdom's going to come. Yeah, it will be mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Okay, so forgive people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, uh, actively play a part uh, in that, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's the beauty of the prayer. It's like, well, Lord, help me with that because I, I can't I can't do it on my own. Right. Yeah. So a podcast on Christmas Tide, Epiphany, Prayer, and the Kingdom. There we go. <laughs> we hit a lot of things, man. Whole lot of things. We did. Whole lot of things. Is anyone still listening? That's the question. <laughs> is, is anyone Paul, out there? This is Paul's fault for those listening. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to mess this one up. Dang it, my bad. Guys. No, guys, any parting words? Mm. No, I'm just ex- I'm excited for this for these next two seasons, man. I'm I'm, I'm uh, I, 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 w- one thing I'll say about Advent, I, I can't remember if I said it already in the in the previous one, but just that there's, there was a real sense of like this is these this liturgical year is something that me and my family we've been like kind of living out for a few years, and this year in particular really felt like it was the start, like it felt like it was almost the new year at the beginning of Advent, and it just I think the more that we embrace it and the more that we do this from year to year that we can. We can feel these these like these contours of the story, and we can like move along with them. And I'm I'm excited to move into the next season where we celebrate, and where we consider Christ and the manifestation of Christ. So, I think I would just want to say one encouraging word to our brothers and sisters who may be listening to this and think this is all like new things to me, mm-hmm. um, new terminology, new practices. It seems kind of weird or different or, or, or some kind of even guilt. I've never done these things. Like just kind of full disclosure, a lot of these things I've never done in my own life and the, like being this intentional through the, the liturgical calendar and these seasons and stuff. So well, if you're hearing this and it all sounds like new stuff, then that's okay. Um, yes. Like, like, it's never too late to increase the way we're being formed uh, no. in the image of Christ for That's others. Good. For the good of others. For the Amen. good of others. Amen. Amen. Well, all right, fellas. Uh, I think that about wraps it as we are super excited for the liturgical calendar as we're headed into Christmas tide and then Epiphany after. Uh, let's just continue to stay prayerful, celebrate. Let's feast, right? Amen. Let's, Amen. let's, let's journal. Like, Papa's. Let's feast. Again, I want to say that again. Uh, feast. feast. Yeah. In the and invite feast. me to all your feast. feasts. Yeah. You don't have to do it just once. <laughs> 12 days, baby. Let's do it. All right, well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Peace and love, y'all.